Anthony, clap for me. Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep, a podcast that used to be about books. I'm your host, Alex Falcone. I'm recording today from North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I'm proud to say still do not seem to have coronavirus, which is pretty incredible. So, uh, a little cocky. I don't, know if I, I don't want to get too cocky, but I don't know if you guys, if I, if I, I guess I posted about it, but I haven't really told anybody in person. But I, you um, scout booth you were running over the weekend, <laughs> sort of, it's kind of close actually. Uh, Megan had it, my wife oh, had it here. My wife tested positive for it a couple weeks ago, and um, I tested negative at the same time because my immune system is better than hers. And uh, no, and I, uh, but she's fine. She's like recovered, but we were like in the last few days of the window where it seems like probably I should have had it by now. So I might have not gotten it. Wow. That's cool. Isn't that crazy? Maybe. But then when Maybe. I posted about her having gotten it and me not, everyone was like, so you guys aren't very close, huh? <laughs> um, I spent a while trying to like convince people on the internet that I have had sex with my wife. It was a very weird couple of days. Have you ever like... Have you ever been sick? Have you considered like maybe you're the unbreakable guy? Like you can't. <laughs> Are we learning something about you, Alex? Yeah, Warp actually told I... me that she was expecting that she would be asymptomatic and I would get it just because I'm such like I'm just a complainer. I always get sick and I complain about it a lot. So either I just have that magical immunity and I should just be going to all the secret nightclub parties in LA. Uh, or I'm cocky and I'm like whistling past a graveyard and tomorrow I am going to be uh, hella sick. So we will you see. Need, you need to walk up the Pfizer, the Pfizer building and be like, use my blood. I am, <laughs> I am the one I, just already bleeding. I'll just get yeah. like, I already started it for you. Just come anywhere you want it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird, it especially would feel so if I got it right before, like right as the vaccine is coming out, it's like. No one wants to be the last person to get it. That seems really annoying. No, so. want to be the last person at a party, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, for, for the time being, still doing well. Um, our show is brought to you by our fabulous meat buddies, uh, including our new meat buddies, Zachary, um, who just supported the show this week. And we will do a longer segment with in the future, if that's what Zach would like. Um, if you would like to join Zachary and help keep the show limping along the tracks go to meat buddy go to metreon.com oh i now have to buy meatbuddy.com. i just thought of that <laughs> um Ugh, probably a fan is squatting on it um all right that's on and my their list. train just came in go to metreon.com to join our new metreon program and thank you to everybody who supports the show we have such a good one for you in our wrap-up of the year show first up he's on on twitter at anthony lopez part two he is in southeast portland please welcome back mr anthony lopez hey glad to be here on wednesday december 16th the mm-hmm. number five day of 2020 is what i decided I'm drinking everything right now. <laughs> drinking, drinking, wow. yeah, drinking a Gatorade. You, it's the fiftieth best Gatorade of the year. I probably I haven't say, had that I many. There were two months before the pandemic really hit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was about to say, there's your top ten right there. Not, not now. No, but yeah, that's the thing. All the the other top ten are on that side, but today is just special because I'm here with you guys, counting down oh, the days. You wonderful. know. 
Also joining us today, uh, one of my top 10 co-hosts, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd. From the woods of Arkansas, please welcome back Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> I turned it up too it's much. You couldn't even understand what I... You couldn't I even hear you. my howdy, y'all. It was like a wow. baby doing an impression of Donald Duck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is season three episode 49 this is the final episode of season three and our final full episode of 2020 this is our season uh three and year 2020 year in review i am calling this the inaugural episode of the weepies our our award ceremony we reward <laughs> thing our top, our top 10 weepies of the year for each of us we have each composed a list we did not really agree on the structure of the list, so these might not be compatible as lists, but we have some versions of top th- 10 things from the year um, that are uh, not necessarily movies. Some of them are movies. Probably the large percentage of them are movies, but they're not all movies. Um, they could be other things. could be anything. Just, and it doesn't have to be something that came out this year because very little did. So this is just 10 things that you consumed this year, either with your eyes, your ears, your nose, or your mouth. Um, yeah, I definitely did some mouth stuff. Like there was a pizza I had like two or three months ago, and that's I am gonna have. Well, I, I have an honorable mention that is um uh, not that is mouth stuff. I'm not gonna call it that though, because uh, that is gross. Um, b- before we start on our list, so we're gonna go in like we're gonna do little groups for each of our lists. But before we start on that, I want to talk about how you guys composed your lists. So I'll tell you my methodology first, which is that I'm pretty into tracking stuff that I have done. <laughs> so I have all the movies and books and theater and concerts and sporting events that I see in a year. I like put them in a little spreadsheet. And um, this year I've watched 127 movies. Wow. The highest previous record was in 2018 where I watched 72. So this is a phenomenal number of movies this year. Um, statistically significant. I read 20 books, which is matching my all time high from 2018 of 20 books. It sounds like you were actually at film school. You know, well, (laughs) I should have been actually I just uh, quick side note is I just uh, I just got the great courses film school class um, and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to take my introduction to film class now. It's a little late in the year, but I thought I should learn a little bit about like the actual because last time we were talking about the terms and stuff on that final. I was like, I guess I don't actually know terms. I should at least do that. So I've gotten through a couple of episodes of that already. And it's uh, it's. A little corny, but I'm learning things. I, I also it. beautiful. Somebody gave me a gift of a year membership to Masterclass, which has oh. a bunch of like film yeah. people, famous film people talking about film. So you can have watch David Mamet teach you how to not write female characters. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just, there are plenty of people yeah. on that list that I am not super interested in watching. But um, there's there is some cool stuff on that, and neither of these companies sponsor us, so I'm not talking about it any longer. Um, but I might bring it up in a future segment. So okay, so I went through my lists of all the things I did this year. Um, decent number of mo- well, a lot of movies, couple of books. Almost no theater, no concerts, and no sporting events, which is a really Why? Bu- real bummer. That's weird for you. You usually know. Why not? Why not? Well, I, you know, last year I went to seven concerts and five sporting events, and this year it's zero and zero, which is a bummer. Um, uh, but anyway, so I picked stuff from that, and then I also like wanted to make sure I included some other genres. So I've got a, a I got a podcast thing that definitely makes the list, and. Um, I was trying to think of more food or edible things, and I only have one suggestion in that. They didn't quite make the list, but I have a coffee company I'm going to mention in my honorable mentions. Um, what did you guys do? How did you... Hunter, let's have you next, because I know you do the letterbox, so you're into some tracking. Yeah, um, I mean, I actually... Uh, this is maybe 
I don't know what this means, but I probably watch the same amount of movies that I would watch in normal year, which averages to be about probably like one a week. Um, even though I don't watch one movie every week, but interesting because you have yeah. to watch one movie every week for us. So do you think it was it wasn't even higher for that reason? Oh yeah, I guess it would. Yeah, huh? I guess it'd have to be higher. <laughs> You should have averaged one a week for us, but I guess if you're not doing the homework. No, yeah, that I, I do. I actually do watch the movies on on this show. I should mention that now. Um, but but yeah, so so it was probably uh, well, it's probably around like seventy. Then I, I probably watched like twenty ish movies in addition to all the stuff that we watched for this show, which is actually not a lot. But that's like I would say that's my normal amount, basically. Mm. Where did you, so you, you, is it because you are doing a normal amount of work this year? This is like similar to your previous years or is yeah. it because you filled that time with other cool new online things or whatever? Um, well, I'll tell you this much, like thinking about the media I consumed this year and looking at this list, I feel like I spent a lot of time, uh, playing Twilight Imperium, <laughs> <laughs> the, the board game that my other podcast is about, um, yes. So because that I'm just looking at it and thinking about what all I did this year. And honestly, considering that I could not go outside, there probably should have been more media that I consumed, which is suspicious to me now. But I think I played normal amount of video games that I play normal about a, amount of movies. I think Twilight Imperium just kind of stepped up and was like, oh, we got a gap. I got I got you. OK, yeah, I'm a 10 hour fair. board game and I can do this. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like uh this is like put me in coach this is what i've been waiting for my whole life yeah totally i will say i've noticed music really had a difficulty this year actually i, I think i listened to less new music this year than i would normally listen to and i think it's because uh i wasn't moving around a lot right. and i don't tend yeah. to I, I i only listen to a specific type of music if i'm just stationary and it's not the most, I would say, fun type of music to listen to for me. So I just didn't listen to a lot of music this year. I do have some music on my list, though. But, but I, I have a little bit of music much. that almost made it. There, there wasn't as much new music this year. So that was also part of it. But definitely my podcast listening is like that, which is that I used to listen. I've probably listened to a third as many podcasts as I did the year mm-hmm. before. Because mm-hmm. I just I used to have especially since in the first two months I moved to LA, I was like, well, I'm doing all these like 45 minute drives. Like it's a lot of time to be listening to podcasts. And then all of a sudden I'm at home and like, I have a person to talk to and it's rude to just have a podcast playing on the speakers while we're hanging out and having lunch. So like, I just have so many f- fewer podcasts in my life. Anthony, how did you put together your list? Uh, kind of, uh, spent a lot of time in my, um, my, uh, mental palace, my mind palace, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of going on the emotion. You know, I have very similar kind of like, things in terms of like a lot of things did get cut down in my life like you know before quarantine when i uh at the shop i had before we went further was like i would have an hour every morning plus getting to and from work so i would right listen to a lot of podcasts just time by myself and that that has dropped dropped drastically but movies because my wife and i basically watch a movie or a show like every day when we when we're eating dinner at night unwind so we've watched quite a bit I found putting a list together uh, a little tough because I don't know about you guys, but I found 2020 to be uh, 
fairly traumatic. Uh, yeah. There's a, a lot of... Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Something in the air, you know? Uh, <laughs> just this sort of general feeling. Uh, just okay. every sort of, like, positive uh, memory you would sort of get with a movie. I can, like, associate it to, like, a horrible event happening or, like, just sure, this constant yeah. sense of dread and fear yeah. and just living under it, right? So I had a real tough time thinking of things that I sort of, like, really... Like there are things I uh, I definitely saw this year that I think I think are like objectively better than what I would have on my top ten for this year. But these are like the top tens that like when I focus and just think about uh, what I watched this year, these are the ones that emotionally kind of hit me the most. Okay, um, I like that. So that's kind of well, so where I do, went. Let's do this. And so you um, actually brought a, two lists, yes. I believe. So before we get into the official top ten weepies, mm-hmm. let's hear your pre-list list. All right, so like I said, spent a lot of time in my mind palace this week. Yes. Uh, and uh, in that time, I was running a lot of simulations uh, from a fairly incomplete data set. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I did was I crunched the numbers, I looked right. at it, and mm-hmm. I ran simulations on what would have happened if COVID never happened this year. Sure. Okay. What if, what if, you know, uh, you know there's some real surprising results. Uh, mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin got fired from SNL in the middle of the year. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Are there any well, explanations for these predictions? Or you I just mean, these, these were just spitting them out. But yeah, uh, so, the algorithm hunter is proprietary, so yeah, we don't get okay. to see. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just all diddle, these crazy diddle. different things that happened. Bernie was the candidate. It was a very different year. Oh. Oh, okay. Was that on the 10 or is that just a bonus fact? Um, no, that that n- none of this is on the 10. What the 10 oh. is, is this oh. is my, what my top 10 for 2020 would have been had COVID not oh, happened. Oh, fascinating. Great. I'm very excited about this. So uh, what I got, I got a numbered list here. Uh, number 10, I, it was a pretty big surprise, but I think I, I genuinely expect this one to be surprising, but it's uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw. The uh, Chris oh. Rock led driven reboot, oh not reboot, but like continuation of the Saw franchise. I don't know if you guys have Samuel Jackson, yeah, yeah, okay. and Chris Rock. Chris Rock uh, went into Lionsgate and said, "I have the perfect idea for how to continue Saw." So they've oh, just man. given him a blank check. And- He's like, the only catch is you have to let me act in it, which is objectively my worst skill. Yeah, me, <laughs> but he's got Samuel Jackson there. I'm so Yeah, yeah, they're like, okay, we have to put in somebody to balance the scale. Let's put in Samuel L. Jackson, who yeah. is quite good at acting. And every time they talk about this movie in the press, it's always like someone from Lionsgate being like, when Chris came in and explained <laughs> his idea, we knew immediately this is a game changer. Uh, this is the most important horror film. They're talking it up, and I'm just like, okay. What? Turns out it's going to be pretty good. Uh, number I nine, say, I believe Spiral is a kind of saw. I would have yeah. also enjoyed if this was called saw. Table. But, yeah, uh, um, you know, it's just weird. It's weird. Well, this the, list is weird because these movies will come out eventually. Though. Yeah, but I'm, so that's <laughs> you know, it's also kind of a looking forward. These are sort of like yeah, what yeah. I think. Will, okay, know. sure. All right, uh, Spiral. So, Spiral, number nine, we have Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, uh, the new Marvel picture. uh, That I don't know anything about the character. Uh, I just, one of the movies I'm going entirely on, like, I like the sort of talent behind it. You're going to see that a lot on this list. 
I'm liking like this the Marvel's taking these big swings by doing these like large minority driven um action movies that you don't really get anywhere else. And that's this was and- supposed to be coming out this year. Uh I think it would have been a huge hit and pretty damn enjoyable. Yeah, I th- I'm really looking forward to this movie. I keep forgetting that uh, Tony Lung, my my Tony, my guy, mm. is in this movie. So I'm very Everyone gets one very Tony, and you've chosen yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah. This might be related to this list. I don't actually know. Is there was there supposed to be a Star Wars movie this winter? No, no. Okay, so that was going to happen anyway because this almost made my list of top ten. Uh, was not of this year was not having to see a Star Wars movie over yeah, Christmas. No Star Wars. No. Uh, there's not going to be a Star Wars anyway. movie for a few years, I think. Wow. Really I, focusing on TV. Uh, I am fine with that. Yeah, they, uh, I did not put this on my list because I decided to go actually positive and not like secretly shitty, but um, I'm so fine with that. Yeah, I, I, uh, after, especially after that last one, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah. Number eight, I have the French Dispatch. Which should have come out this year. Uh, big surprise. Uh, Wes Anderson can be pretty hit or miss for me, but it turns out I like this one a lot. Cast was very good. Uh, what if What if we've used enough Timothy Chalamet? What if? Well, hey, he's gonna pop up on yeah, this well, list again. Yeah. So hold <laughs> oh, up. No. Hold um, that thought. <laughs> yeah, hold that thought. Uh, at number seven, uh, this one I will be seeing soon, but I'm also pretty. Uh, Sure, I love in the simulation said I loved it. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, sure, uh, yeah, that's any day now. Yeah, I was a big fan of the original. I, My wife I just is well on Timothy for a second. I feel because the rest of this cast hey, we'll, is like Bill we'll, Murray. We'll, no, no, we'll get back we'll, to we'll Timothy. We'll get back to Timothy. Hold on. Okay, okay. He's, he's got another spot on the has, list. Yeah. Okay. Has really great other cast as well, and I am. Ex- I I did not know about hey, this movie. This looks fun. You know what? I also wasn't like I didn't really know too much about Timothy Oliphant. Timothy, not Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Chalamet until Little Women, and I thought he was so good in that. Uh, that He's great. I just feel like it's just like he fucked a peach one time, and Hollywood was like, "What if he was in every other movie?" Hey, and that, <laughs> uh, number six, we got uh, No Time to Die, the James Bond movie that was supposed to come out right before quarantine started. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, and then it got put. It was the first film to get pushed back. Uh, but mm. this movie, I I think looks yeah, great. It's a bad look if it's like a record number of deaths in the country, and you're like, no time to die. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny, I mean, not the funny thing is, but if they had released it, then it would have made more money than it will probably make when they do release it in a few months. You know? Oh, interesting. Uh, just because yeah, there were still people seeing movies, but this is a movie yeah. that uh, the another one that the talent behind it. We have the director from. Uh, what is his name? He's the guy who did like the first season of True Detective. Um, oh, re- really talented director, and it's also yeah, being yeah. written by uh, Phoebe Waller Bridges, who wrote oh, shit. Uh, Fleabag. It's her first yeah. movie, yeah, yeah. and she's writing the new James Bond movie. The simulation, Wait, really? yeah, the simulation. The same is she, it's phenomenal. She wrote the James Bond movie that was supposed to come out in February, March. Yes, No Time to Die, and it's being directed by uh, what? I feel like I might be a big fan of her work. I loved Fleabag. I don't know that I want to see a James Bond movie. Like, Kerry, I don't. Kerry Fukunaga, who was, yeah, I mean, yeah. is a fucking phenomenal director. It looks great. We got, uh, what's his name? Well, open to this. What was that? Open to this idea. It's got a black female 007 because James Bond retires. It looks, oh. it looks great. Uh, and it turns out. Simulation. Wait, this is the one that this is no time to die. 
Yes. Why are you having such a hard time believing this? Because <laughs> I've seen the last few James Bond movies, and this feels real different. Yeah, different, co- completely different creative team, right? So F- yeah. Phoebe Wallach and Carrie Fukunaga, uh, Sam Mendes, and his writers are out, and they're in. Uh, I looks- uh, very excited about that change. Yeah. Because I was basically done after the last James Bond movie. I was like, I feel like we've solved this puzzle. We're done. We've got had all the James Bond movies. Yeah, I mean, now you, I, now you back in. Spectre was fucking awful. So I agree with that. Uh, number five, uh, another movie that I knew was going to be really good, and the simulation says it's a classic. We have Candyman 2020. Uh, I'm a big fan of the original Candyman. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's great. Uh, definitely worth watching. Uh, really fun, uh, horror flick, great monster, great mythology, and they're doing a reboot. This is another one that is just the talent involved is really like very, very exciting. Uh, I think it's going to be great. I do uh, wonder about these horror movies because, like, a lot of these horror movie premises are like the the reboots are like it's twenty years later and the place where this horrible thing happened it's about to happen again and I just feel like we should move out of more places where horrible things happen. Okay, but I mean, a huge part of the Candyman is you know there's like this giant race and institutionalized racism thing about how the people oh. who were born are stuck in these places that you oh, know, horrible tragedy that happens. This. Sure, okay. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff about Candyman. It is politi- like more relevant now than it was when it came out, I think. The original oh. and the remake's really leaning into that. Um, I I think Candyman is going to rock. That's what my Mind Palace simulation is telling yeah. me. Uh, number right. four, uh, I'm giving uh, a little... Actually, this one is kind of a, a twofer. It's a double dose of my boy Dev Patel. Oh, you didn't mention Jordan Peele is involved in the new Candyman. Okay, yeah. that's great. Uh but my number four is a shared spot uh, mm-hmm. about the Green Knights and the personal history of David Copperfield. Uh, both <laughs> the fact that Dev Patel is getting like two critically acclaimed movies this year is awesome. He's also turned into like maybe the hottest dude I've seen in a while, which is so weird because he used to be so thin and like he's always been a great actor, but he he filled out and he looks awesome and both these movies have like john lowry is doing the green knights and armando uh, uh, i always forget how to pronounce his last name but the guy who did like in the thick of it and the death of stalin he's doing the uh directing the personal history of david copperfield interesting uh so i'm very excited about that those were all again everything on this list we were supposed to have seen by now yes which yes, is so uh, and that's a weird thing when I was looking back on my list, which is actually kind of a great thing in some ways, which is that I saw almost no new movies. And what's great about it is that I did feel like I had some catching up to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like good that there were no movies, but it's like, I mean, you could do another year with no new movies and I would have a lot to still watch. Yeah. So, yeah. You yeah. still got work to do. Yeah. And uh, then uh, my then my top three for 2020 uh, non-COVID reality is mm-hmm. uh number three is top gun maverick uh <laughs> tom cruise flying real jets you know uh yelling about people about covid restrictions and how uh-huh. how people are gonna pay for college for their kids you know being the hottest working man in hollywood uh yeah yeah fucking alex you know what i'm about to say the cruise missile never misses 
You never so miss we know we know Top Gun's going to be great. Uh, number it, two, and the crazy thing about that is, it seems like he should miss more often. Everything about him says I'm going to miss more often than I do. But yet, here we are. I don't know. I mean, he also. He, I mean, he's a dude who like flies helicopters for action movie shots. You know, he's a lunatic. Uh, he's a lunatic. Uh, my number two movie of the year uh, is Promising Young Woman. Uh, starring Carrie Mulligan was supposed to come out like earlier this year and is now getting a release this month. I don't know if you've seen much on this. I don't oh. want to spoil the premise for you if you haven't seen it. It's definitely worth, I think, even the trailer, which kind of sets up what the movie's about. It's a very fun reveal, uh, but it seems like oh, a man. movie that is like very much of this time. The cast is great. Uh, it's got, like I said, very interesting premise. Uh, And if it follows through on that, I think it could definitely be a movie that is like a very post Me Too statement about sort of feminism. And it's finally getting Bo Burnham into more movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank God. Uh, (laughs) Hey, man. Eighth grade was very good. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know. I agree. Uh, Also, we got Alison Brie. There's some fun people in that. And then my number one movie of the year is a twice, is a, it's another tie. Not have them be 12. No, no, let me explain. So it's it's kind of a tie because one is grandfathered in because you know, first place is Twin Peaks season three, the return, uh, <laughs> best movie of the year, three years running. Um, of course, of course, it just it's just they keep re entering it and it just yeah. always wins. It's just so, yeah, if it's on yeah. the list, people yeah. are gonna vote for it. Yeah, and then my uh, sharing the uh, the award is uh, the obvious. I think it might make me a simp, might uh, might make me you know a sucker, but I I think uh, Dune is definitely yeah. my number one movie uh, of the year. I'm very excited about it. I understand, especially after you have just watched um, Jodorowsky's Dune yeah. and seen like yeah, I have, I'm so fascinated by this occurrence. The, the the fact that like the movie. I think ha- like you can knock it for good reasons. The sort of dour aesthetics when you could do a yeah. lot more colorful, wild stuff with Dune. Um, I that that kind of has me had me pretty worried. But the simulation <laughs> played out it's, that like it's starring Timothy Chalamet as the worm. Yeah, so as yeah. Hey, uh, no spoilers. Alex. <laughs> Not everyone has read the whole series like I have. Okay, but yeah, I I love Dune. I've only read the first book. I I think Danny Villeneuve is phenomenal. The cast across the board for that movie is great. Uh, I'm expecting good things. Um, yeah, Jason Momoa. I put him in a desert. Yeah, yeah. Batista. For, in my, per- I mean, look, we can all agree if we had a preference, Jason Momoa should be wet. So putting him in the driest movie of all time is kind of a bummer. But he'll find a way to get wet. Yeah, he'll get I'm wet sure somebody will flash him at some point. That's all I need. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then there's a few other just quick lightning round. I just want to go off a few other movies that we should have seen this year. And some of them, who knows when we will. But I, I want, do you guys remember that there was a Ghostbuster movie that was supposed to come out in July? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> Paul Rudd one directed by Jason Reitman. Uh, director of like up in With the stranger, air, Stranger and, Things kids, right? Yeah, oh, um, yeah. But yeah, there was supposed to be a Ghostbuster movie Wait, has completely the, vanished. In the world of the of the the girls or the boys? I think this is the of uh, the boys. This is like oh, original. Town. Okay, yeah. Uh, the Batman was supposed to come out this year. 
Steven Spielberg. Was that supposed to come out this year? Yeah, is that it right? Supposed, it was supposed to come out in November. Wow. Uh, West Side Story. 2022. Yeah, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story uh, was supposed to come out this week. Uh, Fast and the Furious 9, The Eternals, Halloween Kills. Whoa. Uh, all was supposed to come out what this year. year. We haven't had. Yeah, yeah uh, what a but, year we didn't get. So, but yeah, just <laughs> pretty, kind of it's pretty weird away. how much. Like, I think this is this is a fun thing just to think about, though. Like, think about how much stuff comes out every year. You know, mm-hmm. like a it's a lot. You like, were you really gonna watch all that? Me. I wasn't gonna see all those movies. I might have I seen mean, two of them. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story is so because it was supposed to come out around now, and the fact that they haven't released like a single image or trailer from it. Like it's a movie that's just going to be completely shelved till next, like October or November. Uh, Also just think of how many people who's like, um, this was their big break. Like two years ago, they acted in a movie and this was the year it was going to come out. And now it's pushed back to 2022 and like, which means in Hollywood they've aged out, so now they're too old to be cast in anything. I mean, that that's exactly the kind of the point I was making with Dev Patel. Like, this should have been his year, like being in these two big movies, and like everything else he's starting in. Like, this is like kind of his big comeback year, and it feels like it's been, you know, yeah, kind of feel, messed I up. Feel hard. Um, I'm still waiting for my Colbert t- set to air, and so yeah. I feel. <laughs> It's supposed to be my year. I had a. We haven't talked. I went. I was going to do an episode about it when it came out, um, and it has not come out yet. So I don't have an opportunity. But over a year ago, filmed Colbert didn't happen. Signed a, a record deal in January for a, a comedy album that we're going to record this year. It did not happen. So I, I'm not quite up there with those uh, actors. You wait. What, what happened? Did is the record deal off, or is it just going to delay? We're just gonna, at some point, be able to do a real show that we can record. But cool takes a while so it just means like it might be like and meanwhile you've gotten like crazy rusty and i mean we all, we've all gotten crazy rusty but. i mean yeah I'm sure, you... i've been doing a lot of um corporate zoom shows recently um uh-huh. so i'm just pretty as good sure as the real thing so <laughs> actually I, uh, I i'm probably allowed to say this i did a show like 10 minutes before we started recording today i did a corporate comedy show on zoom for the employees of zoom <laughs> <laughs> you guys made- like it was like this is the the source we found it these are the people um did you ever what, consider what, had, what about the opposite of having a year that was supposed to be your year this is like imagine you work at zoom and you're like well we're just a little company that no one's heard of and then the world dies and you're the biggest profiteer of that well no think <laughs> i mean think about like skype when that's happened must have been like finally oh, oh time and then zoom comes along <laughs> Well, Microsoft and it has teams like it has multiple bad versions. Oh, man, I have to do a show tomorrow over WebEx and it's not for WebEx uh, so I can badmouth it. But man, what a terrible product that is. Um, Anyway. um, okay, so that's the year that could have been. Um, Now let's talk about the year that actually was um, real fast. Can you hear me? Go ahead. I was going to say I was just. Had to throw this out there. Have you thought about going to the record company and being like, let's record a live album the way like Kiss does and just call it a live album, but it's actually a studio <laughs> recording? Studio. Yeah, we just record it all alone in a studio. So really good acoustics. So silent, no echo at all. Just oh. me 
alone in a booth. You put in crowd sounds. You make it sound live. Like Kiss would record albums and like just mix them to sound live. Oh uh, man, that's weird. But yeah, just just do that. You know, that's a good idea. That's a really solid idea. Um, all right, so now we're gonna do the year that was uh, top tens of things that we consumed this year that didn't necessarily come out this year because as previously very well indicated a lot did not come out this year um we're gonna do so we're gonna start we're just gonna do three um in this in this section um hunter why don't I have you go first why don't you give me your like nine eight uh, roughly they don't have to be actually in order but give me your first yeah. three from your top well, these are best things from this year that you consumed your weepies go ahead yeah so with my weepies uh i i did a slightly different approach it's not, it's not numbered um and it, and it's all all different types of thing uh there's a person in here uh, awesome. and, and there's just me. an idea of a thing in here as well. Um, but I did them superlative style. So I just like have a little, like a little, like this is a little, I don't know, superlative description of it. So I'll just give you the bottom of the list arbitrarily. This is yeah, in yeah. no real order. So, uh, my, uh, so this is my best film that made me go, ah, ooh, ah, ee. Um, was Under the Skin by Jonathan Glazer. I hadn't seen that movie before, um, and it's it pretty good. Uh, another one of mine is... Uh, wait, what? It's, why did it make you go like... Is it... Because uh, it's... It? Cause it's, uh, <laughs> it's not spooky, but it's creepy crawly. It's like... Oh, it like gets in your brain, and it's like the type... It's disturbing. It like makes you kind of... Uh, like maybe, maybe watching it isn't like uh, a chore in a way that a really scary movie might be. But then, like, you have trouble sleeping for some reason because it got in you. You know what I mean? It got in your brain stuff, and now it's in there, and you're thinking about it, and it's weird. Makes you feel it's, weird. It's a true, am, true masterpiece. Like, and also, Alex, it's like ninety minutes if it's a minute long. Like, it's it's a real nice, gaunt, tight Alex movie. Joe, I'm interested in this Adam Pearson fella. Um, yeah, there's interesting stuff going on in this, and actually, the description of it I love. So I just, I just like the the. One the two sentence sales pitch on Google was um, disguising itself as a human female. An extraterrestrial drives around Scotland attempting to lure unsuspecting men into her van. Once there, she seduces and sends them into another dimension where they are nothing more than meat. Yeah. Oh god. And that is and and you know what? To be honest, like uh, no, no spoilers, but that's really all that the movie is. Like that's the movie. Like you just described the movie, and that's pretty much what you get. And but it just I don't know. It just gets in oh, you. I like um, it. They did a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I I believe we I believe I mentioned this like when I watched this on the show. So we have talked about this movie before, but I just want to bring it up again. There are these really cool scenes uh, where uh, Scarlett Johansson, the the alien, is talking to real people that don't know they're being filmed at the time. That is, so it has oh. this very like real feeling to it. Like uh, weird, yeah. It's it's it, it's it helps add to the creepiness that it feels mm-hmm. like these dudes are like real ass dudes. Do what? Well, if somebody was like, "Hey, let's just we're gonna do a, a we're gonna I'm, hey, I'm working on this thing. Do you mind if I talk to you for a little bit? I'm not gonna tell you that I'm secretly an alien. Yeah. I would still be like, "Hey, but you're Scarlett Johansson." I mean, it's well, okay, two real- two things. So th- so they're in some little town in Scotland. Um, oh, okay, we're and then famous. And then, well, she she's crazy famous, but also it's a movie, so you cut those ones, you know. Like oh, if, okay. they, if they know it's her, then the jig is up. Like, fair point, fair point. All yeah. right, what else um, on, this, on this chunk? So my next thing is uh, uh, best band 
that I really like but would annoy everyone around me to listen to that I just found this year. Um, so this is this is a old. I really should have known about this band before, but I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra, um, okay. which is the, like Jack- the kind of music that you would like from the name. Do what? The name sounds like something you would tell me about. It's so all checking yeah, out. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so, so this is like uh, actually like a huge uh, like older uh, electronic band in uh, in Japan uh, that uh-huh. I had been like kind of orbiting around. Um, there was uh, this musician in the early 2010s uh, that I liked a lot. I don't really care that much about him anymore, but a lot of people like him. Is this guy uh, Mac DeMarco, and uh, he ripped off. He ripped a song off of this uh, Japanese uh, electronic artist named uh, Har- Har- Hari Hasano. Actually, I think you just call him Harry. Actually, I'm pretty sure he says you can just call him Harry. So I'll call him Harry. Um, so he ripped this guy off. and uh, But then I found out they were friends. And anyways, and then I started listening to that guy's music. And I found out he was in this group called Yellow Magic Orchestra. And the way I would describe them is they're kind of like, um, do you know that if you know the German band craft uh, work, which you really should if you don't, to be honest, um, because every all the music that you listen to is from that. Uh, anyways, uh, that is the source of all music, of all modern music is craft work. Oh, um, the, the yeah, but Yellow Magic Orchestra kind of sounds like craft uh, work if like, um, and, and this is this is based off of like the way they approach the music. If you were trying to like do what a racist Western person would think Japanese electronic music would sound like. And they did that on, and that's what I love about it so much is there is a satirical aspect, especially to their early stuff. They didn't do this forever, but there's a satirical aspect to their movie where they're sort of making fun of like what a Westerner would think Japanese electronic music would sound like. And it's just, it's, it's, it's very good and it's all electronic, but it also makes you laugh. Um, so huh. that's, that's what that's I got fun. on that. Uh, and then I'll give you one more uh, for my first group. Uh, best video game I played this year um, that made me go, ooh, this is fun. I'm going to play this every night for three weeks um, <laughs> is uh, Hades by Supergiant Games. Um, this, is, uh, this is the only thing of these first three things I've talked about it actually came out this year. Um, but this game, man, I don't, I don't know, like, um, how to, how to sell it, uh, that well, because it's like, this is, this game is very much for people that have been playing smaller independent games over the last like 10 years. But, um, if I could sum it up, it's sort of like, uh, if a cute little indie video game studio took all this Greek mythology and ran it through like a, like a sexy internet filter um sexy in like a cool way uh in like a and and also like kind of a progressive way uh and then just made every aspect of greek mythology really fun and and on then also if the gameplay it kind of played like um like if diablo 2 uh was modern and and really really fun um i realize i'm putting out a lot of stuff here that maybe uh you guys both can't or actually uh anthony did you play it i have not played it yet i have definitely like seen a lot of stuff on it i have wanted to get it i just haven't gotten around to it um but yeah what i've 
I think what you've described it as is fair. It's funny that you're like, it's like this other thing. You have to know what it is. Yeah. It's like Diablo 2. But from what the thing that gets me the most excited about and what I've heard is I usually bounce off like roguelike games. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because and but what I've heard and I've heard people praise this one for is the way it weaves the story into the concept of like starting over a lot in a way right. that makes right. it like easier to in a way that I'm excited to see how other games steal well, it gives you that new idea. story bits as you die and replay the game over and over. Um, oh, interesting. That's yeah. Um, and actually, here's, a lot of games they disincentivize you to die, but that one makes it sound like it's fun. Well, so there's a whole it's it's this this type of game called a roguelike where they where basically the video game designer is like listen i only want to make this much stuff so can you just have to play it over and over but like but it's cool um but i will say this actually this this is the best thing i can say about this game that makes it uh maybe something that someone that doesn't play a lot of games would maybe want to pick up and that i love about this game is that um you can make the game exactly as hard as you want it to be it is the most customizable difficulty I've ever seen in a game ever. If you want the game to be super hard and punishing, it gives you like a menu of very fun difficulty options so that you can add more stuff. But also if like if you're playing the game and you're like, man, I'm having a lot of trouble. It it has this um, it has a, a mode you can enable um, called God mode, which in, in a normal video game would just mean you're invulnerable, can't take any damage. But in Hades, you know, you're not real. Do what? And you're not real. Yeah, That's and you're and you're not real. I, I I I don't know why we got it. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, believers. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to think of a better joke and I couldn't, so that was what I settled on. No, I, just I, no, I, I think it's always good to just randomly you just just take a stab at him. Um, but uh, <laughs> let me let me explain this god mode real quick, and we'll we'll move on. So it, this is brilliant. Um, you turn on the god mode in Hades, and every time you do a run through the game and fail, it makes the game. 2% easier and it keeps doing oh. that until the game is until a baby uh, or until a dog could beat it basically. <laughs> and so like yeah maybe it's too hard right now but you're gonna die and then it's gonna get 2% easier and then 2% easier again and eventually we're gonna find exactly the difficulty that you need um, and I love that it's it, Hades is a game that like is part of this very niche uh, indie game genre but it sort of says like hey anybody can play this game so yeah, well, that also sounds like how I not necessarily how reincarnation does work, but how I think it should work. Yeah. Every well, time you come back, it should get easier. Also, a little easier. Uh, a thing about Hades is someone who hasn't I haven't played Hades, but I have played almost all of Supergiant's other games. Uh, I, I never played Pyro, but this feels like Supergiant's the studio, Alex, if they've made a few games like Bastion, Transistor, Pyro, and they have been very innovative since the start and just build and refine kind of what they have done in the past in interesting ways. And that's another thing that makes me very excited about eventually playing Hades is seeing ideas and things they've been developing for like, what, like a decade plus now, uh, and then paying off in new games and new ways is very cool and exciting to see. Um, I, that that makes me think this is all pretty deep and I have trouble focusing when you're talking about video games. So I just want to remind everybody that we'll put all these lists on the show notes. So what, uh, when we are done, the full list of weepies will be up on the show notes. So if you missed something, you can come back and grab it. Um, all right. My top or my bottom three weepies 
Um, I'm going to do two quick honorable mentions that did not make the list. Um, there's this trumpet player I've been obsessed with this year named Christian Scott, um, who is a, uh, contemporary jazz musician in a way that I really enjoy. That's got like, um, a little bit of uh, hip hop influence and some other influence, anyway, incredibly good, uh, trumpet player. And then he has a new record that's amazing, except that it was recorded during COVID with an audience. And at one point, somebody says like, hey, thanks for doing this. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're not scared of this. Oh, um, good. You know, good uh, to document I, that. Uh, I, hate, I hate it so much. It makes me so mad at him. And why is it still in there? Um, and like, I, I've just, of all the things that have happened this year, people's talking about this, like it's fear-based is so frustrating. Like it's somehow braver to just let people die for no reason. Like that, I hate it. Like the, the brave thing <laughs> fuck up and go watch netflix until it's over that's the bravery i love that You're this in your life oh i love that that's your honorable mention uh, <laughs> uh this so good. also there's a track where he brings up a musician who's named alex and the first time i'm listening to it, the way the track starts is the clap the applause dies down and he just goes hey alex you back there mm-hmm. and it is very distracting for me the first time i flipped out because he's never called to the audience before in the show it was very surprising anyway um really incredible record got a couple gr- couple grammy nominations but just that part is so it makes me so mad i also wanted to include a food and i but i wanted a food that you could like actually be a part of in some way that's like not just like hey i made these great mashed potatoes or whatever but this was so what i'm going to say something that brought me a lot of joy as an honorable mention is uh, dapper and wise coffee which is a portland coffee company that had to close its uh, shop that I used to hang out in all the time um, because of COVID, but they were still selling online and it is uh, free shipping for two bags and their coffee is so flipping good. So dapper and wise uh, is the people. And I especially get the, uh, the um, Ethiopian uh, washed is my favorite of the, of the coffees. Anyway, it's so, so good, but anyway, you can be a part of that. And if you're ordering coffee, it's like a, I've been like supporting Portland coffee shops whenever I can. All right. Now my real top uh, bottom 10 or bottom three, sorry. The way I broke these out is this first chunk is like the thing. These are all read it and weep movies are my first group of three. So these are the three season three of uh, slightly condescending film school season three episodes that stuck with me the most. The three are uh, and I want I, I guess I'm curious if you're surprised by these. But these are the three that I've been thinking about the most are Brazil, Barry Lyndon and Dog Day Afternoon. Of all the stuff we did, I'm not surprised by the Barry Lyndon thing because that yeah, so just visually incredibly incredible, and the story is so fucked up and strange, and like just yeah, that movie really got me, and I was I'm I'm surprised. Well, you have I've noticed mentioned you used Brazil as a frame of reference a lot uh, over the past few months since we watched it, which has been really interesting to see, like it enter your lexicon. And like like when I watched it either, I just love thinking about it. Yeah. And also I think that really any three that you would have said, like we watched a lot of fucking good movies, uh, and a lot of movies that I, I think I, I try to keep in mind out Hunter. I don't know if you ever tried to think about that this, this season, but like there's something about like dog day afternoon, Brazil, especially the three you mentioned, like I saw all of those years ago. So like that kind of like euphoria of seeing something really like impactful for the first time kind of dulled on me. So I would always try to remember what it would be like for you. And like, even when you have like your reaction with these types of movies, they are the type of thing that like, 
you have your initial reaction to them, but like what Hunter was saying with Under the Skin, some movies can just worm their way into you, yeah. and they just sort of stick with you, and you know they're yeah, fun to kind of mull over. I don't know if that's what movies are all trying to do, but no. those are uh, that's a thing that is I get like especially makes it easier to do a year end list is like the things that keep popping into my head, and the, mm-hmm. especially like it has a handful of just incredibly weird and specific visuals mm-hmm. that. Like, honestly, I mean, like, there are parts of the story that don't make a ton of sense. And I, but like, there are just these visual things that I've thought about, like, a bunch of times, like, uh, just the boss walking around surrounded by people just going, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. Like, for, like, that is just such a perfect thing in my head. Or like Mario with his long screwdriver and, uh, fixing stuff. And it was really fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are my, those are the three Read and Wheat movies for the year. And it, I, like, yeah, the, that's, that's it. Those are my, my bottom three. Anthony. What is your ten nine eight? Uh, so I kind of have them broken out into sort of categories as well. I'll kind of because Hunter mentioned a video game. I have three games on my list because uh, twenty twenty was a great year to play games. When you're done, I will be back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know I think you'll you'll like one of the games I have to talk about. Uh, but my three games uh, for this section. What? No, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just thinking about that fish game we played oh. together. Never mind. No, uh, but in terms of like the games this year, that in terms of when I think of games that uh, came out this year that really kind of stuck with me, I had the Last of Us Two, Final Fantasy Seven remake, and Bug Snacks. Uh, with Whoa. three games, it's Bug Snacks. Yeah, Alex, I don't know if you've seen anything on Bug Snacks. Uh, Bug I Snacks. I did, I did a cooking show yesterday where they were eating crickets, and I was like, I just don't think I can, uh, even though but- it seems. Bug snacks. Okay, but what if the cricket, hear me out, was a cheeseburger? Oh, so if the I have you know, like there are people who are like doing like cricket flour in like Doritos. No, no, and that I, mean, I, would eat. I mean, what if it was a cheeseburger, but it had eyes and limbs and it walked around and said cheeseburger? No, I mean for sure that would I would not eat that. That seems like not even a hard question. No, what? for sure not eating that talking cheeseburger. What about like a sushi roll that is like a giant caterpillar that goes around and says its name over and over again? Yeah, seriously, you're, you're asking me. You're like, oh, so you don't like being stabbed? How would you enjoy being shot? No, of course not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bug Snacks is a game that came out uh, last month. Uh, it's, it's a great, uh, I, I personally didn't play it. I sat and watched my wife play it. Uh, but we, we kind of did it over like three or four sittings over a few days, but it's a delightful kind of combination, like Pokemon snap meets like adventure game, uh, where you play this reporter who goes to this odd Island where a bunch of weird Muppet looking characters live and you help them solve problems while feeding them bug snacks. And if you like, you feed if you feed someone a hot dog bug snacks, their hand turns into a hot dog, and you can do oh, that man. with every limb on their body and their face. It's very weird. Uh, it's well, got- it's weird that you're including this because I thought you already included this exact description in the Chris Rock Saw movie. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, placed your hands with hot dogs, and they were like, "That is the future of our franchise." <laughs> uh, I think that might you might don't spoil it. Like I said, <laughs> Lionsgate's hyping it up. Um, but these were three games. Uh, Bug Snacks particularly was like very fun, very charming. It's got a really nice story about community at the center of it, surrounded by all the weirdness. 
Uh, and then uh, Last of Us Part Two. Real, real quick, before we move on from Bug Snacks, I just want to mention that the the bug the Bug Snacks theme song by uh, Caro Caro Bonito is uh, hilarious and great, and it's been yeah. stuck in my head ever since that game was not even just released, just unveiled. Yeah, Alex, um, have you looked up what Bug Snacks looks like I mean, yet? I just pulled the video while we were talking to see what I could make of it. Um, it is. I mean, this is. People are, they come up with such ideas, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many ideas. But yeah, it is that, that sums it up. It's that the video game. It's just constantly like, man, you guys have so many ideas. Uh, <laughs> it for itself. If you're even a little bit curious, just look at a video and then you'll be like, yeah, wow, it's pretty wild, like- but I get it right away. Yeah. And also, but it moves around like a crab walking on its ribs. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. That's interesting. And here's the thing. You come for the weirdness, but you stay for the heartfelt character interactions and the touching, the touching yeah. personal melodrama. It's got a lot of personality. Yeah. Uh, I loved it quite a bit. Uh, I definitely would. If, if you're looking for something nice and relaxing, you know, it's the, my, my wife's favorite type of video game, the type that doesn't have combat and you can't die. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. So that's God mode. Wait, yeah. so let me ask you a question. You guys, theoretically, so if you work at a video company, video game company, that's making a game called Bug Snacks about like a crab made out of apples or whatever, yeah. are you aware that it's crazy, or does everyone there think this is like a reasonable, normal thing to do? And yeah, well, the last game was called Octodad, and it was about an octopus pretending to be a suburban dad. So I think a lot so of it is like. Well, obviously they're in on it, but in terms of like the suits, I think they're like we trust them last time, uh, <laughs> and it paid off. So let's do it again. Great. All right, let's do our second chunk. Seven six five Hunter. What are your next three weepies for us? Okay. Um. So this is uh, best content creator that made me go. Oh my god, is COVID not happening to you? Um. And that is uh Lindsay Ellis. Um, I've been a big fan of Lindsay Ellis, uh, for a long time, a great YouTuber. Um, she makes really good, uh, like video essays, but she also released a book that was a New York times bestseller this year. And, uh, on top of that got sued over, or no, she sued. Sorry. She made a video that then, uh, essentially there was like a snafu about, uh, the ad the advertising on it because it was a it was a video ironically about um woke Disney that Disney flagged for having some audio they claimed was a copyright and then YouTube the way they responded to that was to just slap an ad on it and then give the money to the uh, supposed holder of the the copyright um, which is it was against Lindsay Ellis's uh, deal for advertising on the video in the first place. So uh, so she sued about that. So during this lawsuit where she's like protecting her own rights as a content creator against YouTube, uh, she also wrote a book and she stopped uh, she stopped making videos that are like um, stuff that people will will definitely click on and started making videos kind of just about whatever the fuck she wanted to make. And I I was just so into it. Mm, um, that's rad. People who have never been marketable, I like do. I appreciate very much somebody who took it and then abused the privilege. The story, Wait, like as a group of people who are not doing anything that anyone wants to click on, I admire people that like got to our decision, but after being successful first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. like, like clearly, 
if you look at the views on her videos, you can like see uh, that she did take a, a hit of sorts. But I, I also want to credit like Lindsay Ellis uh, is maybe one of the only um, uh, person that makes video essays on YouTube that could actually change my mind on a piece of media. Uh, she made a video called Is Titanic Good, actually? And I hate Titanic. Um, well, that's a and, bummer well, for you. Yeah. No, no. I should say in the past tense, I hated Titanic. No. And I watched it and I was like, ah, this is actually, this, these are really good points. Um, Interesting. And I have hated on Titanic, I think, even on this show, like before mm-hmm. I saw this video because oh, really? I feel like I, Anthony is so uh like dismissive of that clearly correct point of view that it's um it's felt kind of lonely sometimes so I'm glad to have you around at least yeah well to say not, what, I, what I'm saying is I'm not around anymore now no, I'm, I'm on Titanic side here for a moment yeah yeah for a bit um so yeah we'll see, we'll see. I'm gonna I'll watch that I'll see if Lindsay uh, Ellis can convince me in a way that Anthony has not even bothered to try well, you've never let me. We could. We should have the Titanic conversation sometime. Yeah, there should but, be a Titanic episode. But also the um, Lindsay Ellis's um, saga involving the Omega Verse this oh, year I was hours <laughs> of great entertainment. Uh, if you don't know much about that subculture or that part of the internet, it is fascinating, uh, and that's a great. I think she has two videos on the yeah. subject and the sort of drama and threats and lawyers and stuff that came from that. Yeah. Well, she basically, she like called out somebody that was doing uh, some pretty messed up stuff in a very niche part of uh, the publishing world. And then because of that, she's now uh, getting threatened with litigation of her own and making videos about being threatened, which is it's... funny. Um, but yeah, she's great. Um, let's, uh, I, I'm going I'm to keep moving forward. Um, so best season of better call Saul that came out in 2020 <laughs> better call Saul season five they did it again um i i have yet to i don't think i've talked about my love for vince gilligan tv shows um at all on this uh podcast but i that is a big that's a big part of my media diet and uh to be honest better call Saul. uh I remember the fourth season of that show. I kind of didn't, I, I wasn't as clicking as well with anymore. Um, but the, uh, the season that came out with, uh, this year was very good and it made me forget about everything else going on, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, do you guys have any experience with Gilligan shows? Yeah, I've, I've watched, uh, all of breaking bad. I, my, my wife and I, uh, huge fans of the good seasons of the X-Files. And he oh, wrote right, yeah. he wrote several of the best episodes of those run, of yeah, those seasons. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have watched the first few seasons. I watched Better Call Saul when it's up on Netflix, which is like a year after it airs. Right. right. So I think I'm a full season behind. Um, but yeah, I've had very much enjoyed the seasons I have seen of it. Yeah. I, I um, watched a little bit of Breaking Bad, and I. Um, this is a thing that has gotten me made it hard for me in a lot of conversations, but there's just a maximum level of intensity that I like to watch on television. And that is yeah. above it. And it's no. like, this is clearly, yeah. good. I Breaking, just don't have the fortitude for it. Breaking bad is an hour every week of people just about to get in trouble. I can't imagine yeah. anything yeah. less yeah. suited for Alex Falcone. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like yeah. people who did wrong. 
Yeah, right. And it's just that every week. Uh, so I, <laughs> I get that. Better Call Saul. I have a nephew, and he is like the exaggerated version of this now he's like even worse than me he's such a good little rule follower that like when he reads harry potter he was like oh the death eaters don't scare me but when he sneaks out of his room in the invisibility cloak i'm terrified <laughs> he's so worried that that harry potter is going to get in trouble at school and that's his main concern anyway that is i i'm i'm very similar and breaking bad was way too much about people who are about to get in trouble yeah yeah that's pretty. That's all I want to say about it. I just want to confirm new, that that show still rocks. Um, and the last season is, I think, like next year or two years from now or whatever. Um, all right. So next, yeah, next more. thing on my list. Uh, last thing in this chunk. Um, best movie that was so sad and depressing that it actually made me happy. Um, oh, like it went of- all the way around and touched the other side. Yeah, well, I think it's because uh, because of the year um, that for some reason depressing things were just like you know what I don't need I don't need to pretend that things are okay right now. Okay, it makes me feel good to face the darkness. Yeah, um, this movie, this movie is uh, I'm thinking of ending things by Charlie Kaufman. Um, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's hard. It's almost impossible to uh, describe the movie, but I guess I'll try. Uh, it's a movie. Uh, actually, you know what? No, I don't. I don't have to give you that much detail. I can just say this is a movie about a lady that's thinking about breaking up uh, with her boyfriend. She's also going to meet her boyfriend's parents uh, d- during the movie. That's, that's yeah, what's so happening. This is, just to give you Google summary again, because the last one I felt like it included too much of the movie. This one just says a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' farm. Yeah, uh, you, you can also. I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I really want to get around to seeing it. Um, yeah. But you can, uh, Charlie Kaufman is such a brand at this point. It's, I think it's fair to say like, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie. And people oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. inherently sure. know what that means. Right. It's right. I mean, to me, it means that I, I might not understand it, but I'm definitely feels like it's worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so this is a movie that's going to beg you to, to watch it again. And uh, that there are, um, I don't know, like, so the 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 movie before this one was Anomaly. So that one was actually a little more straightforward for a Charlie yeah. Kaufman movie. But the one that this has a lot in common with to me is Synecdoche, New York. That has um, so me if you so excited. One, you're gonna, yeah. yeah, you're gonna love this one if you liked that one because the way Synecdoche, New York, kind of plays with is this happening? What is happening right now? Like what yeah. is what is what am I seeing that is real? What am I seeing that is just a representation of stuff? It does that. Um, you guys know, when I first said this, I added it to my uh, Netflix queue and I just got, I just took it out. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that mud, like that, that part sounds very difficult for me to understand and it'd be very frustrating. And then add that, like it begs to be watched again. I ain't got that kind of time. I'm right, done. Right. No, I, I do not. I do not think that that you would like this movie, Alex, but I don't know. Maybe um, I I think that the closest thing we watched this year to this would probably be Mulholland Drive. The way that Mulholland Drive had like dreamy aspects where it was like, um, is this happening? Is this happening in the minds of the characters? Is this real? Um, that t- type of aspect. It definitely has that going on. And honestly, I, I can't bear the idea of spoiling any more of it, but uh, just I think. I think it's wonderful. I think it might be, I think it could be his best movie, but the thing is, you know, 
figuring out which Charlie Kaufman movie is the best Charlie Kaufman movie, you could probably spend the rest of your life doing that, to be honest. Yeah, but, and, and because half of Charlie Kaufman's movies are other people's movies as well. Yeah, uh, that, makes, <laughs> that only adds more confusion to it. So my my seven six five uh, are all are all movies again. Um, this uh, these are. Uh, yeah, these are movies that just brought me a, a, a like that that uh, afterwards I, after watching them I just felt like that was a perfect thing that I just enjoyed. Um, so those three movies are The Handmaiden, which we didn't oh, really yeah. talk about on the show. You guys had already talked about it enough, and you guys loved it. Anyway, just a what a gosh darn great time. Um, so fucked up, but also amazing and and funny and, and just everything they did was right. Um, s- kind of similar in tone at moments, I guess. Uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, mm-hmm. was my like we watched so many spooky movies this year just unbelievably fun and clever and great and i loved that so cabin in the woods handmaiden and then onward the, what is that what pixar movie our movie this is one of only two movies i saw in theaters this year and the other one was rambo first blood so <laughs> like a heckling show at a comedy festival so this is actually the only new movie i saw in theaters this Jesus. year and i, I saw like three days before a lockdown and no i've not heard anyone talk about this movie i'm not sure anyone saw it but me and the two people in the theater with me at the time and it's great it's really great and uh yeah i just think everybody should watch onward it's not it's uh, it is pixar so it's pixar it's disney animation yeah it is I, there were things that I, when I saw like the, the trailer did not make me want to watch it. And early on in the movie, I was like, I'm not sure I'm into this thing. Chris I don't Pratt know why doesn't they're... help very much. What? Uh, Chris Pratt doesn't help very much. Well, I believe this was before I knew that I didn't like Chris Pratt in real life. Um, but him and Tom Holland are really good in the movie. I, I, so I, I just thought and just, it, it just was a, it's a sibling movie, which there's not enough good sibling movies out there. And it's, I mean, it's a nerd movie, obviously, but but mostly it's just like it's in the way of classic ideal Disney movies. Like the story is just perfect and every beat of it emotionally is exactly what like what I wanted to feel in that moment. It's just so, so good and still surprising. And, you know, Disney finding a new way to have a stupid character is like a stupid sidekick is really difficult. You know, they've done so many things so many stupid animals that can talk. So to have this pair of pants, that's a character. It was just a brilliant turn. I just loved it. And I, it's, I feel like because of the day it came out, it's like if it came out a week later, it would have been pushed back to 2022. So the, it like just came in right there at the end. And uh, so no one talked about it. And I, yeah, I loved it. One of two Pixar movies that was supposed to come out this year that have both kind of had the steam knocked out of them. I really did Soul, which is going straight to Disney Plus in a few days, which I am looking. I really liked Onwards. I think Soul looks really interesting. I'm excited to see it. But I also think that Onward is like has been fairly overlooked and is worth checking out. It's on Disney Plus now if you have that. So. So I'm looking forward to Soul um, as Pete Doctor again, and then it's uh, the music is done by John Batiste, who I love, and uh, also like I like a Pixar movie where a character dies in the trailer. So <laughs> I'm, all about it. I'm ready for that. Um, those are my three. Anthony, what's your seven six five? So my three kind of broken up into another category are going to be the three that we did uh, this season on the show. Oh, so. I kind of looked at movies I hadn't seen before. A lot of these I had 
um, these and the three that I, I have in this section here are the three that kind of kind of like what you were saying, movies that sort of stuck with me the most that I kind of like like using as a frame of reference for things to help me reframe kind of other movies that I've loved. Uh, but those would be Suspiria, Lawrence of Arabia, and then more recently, Carol was also a movie that I, when I saw that, I was just like floored by it. Yeah, um, time that one. But yeah, the, all three of those are visual, such visually striking films, and three films that like something that has been so exciting about doing this series is that you know getting to watch these movies I've always mean always meant to get around to watching but just never found the opportunity and having like and a good excuse to really think about them and ruminate on them afterwards and have these great discussions about it uh these are the three that i think would like there's just so much to dig into and i'm so glad i saw them this year um uh, but yeah all great well, films. Anthony, i um I, I really appreciate all the hard work you've done on the show. And I, I, I always pay close attention whenever you're talking. Um, but I may have just gotten a text right as you said the first two. So what were the first two? Uh, Suspiria, Lawrence of Arabia, and Kale. Okay, great. Awesome. Man, Suspiria almost made my list too. That was crazy. And yeah, I love it. Suspiria rules. Lawrence of Arabia, I felt more confused about, but also was just incredibly, incredibly beautiful and interesting. So yeah, great, great list. Um, Hunter. All right. You're group 432 yeah 432 so this this one is best youtube video that i started and was like what this youtube video is over three hours long am i really gonna watch this and then i did watch it that that prize goes to action button reviews doom by tim rogers um, uh, if you're not familiar with tim rogers he is a video game critic uh he has a very like kind of uh I don't know, like l- literature aspect to his approach to reviewing video games um, in that he tends to um, review a game, but also sort of tie it to his own life in some way. Um, and everything is kind of presented in a almost like, a, actually, it's really hard to des- to describe him, but he's very funny. Um, and he did a three and a half hour review of Doom. And when I finished watching it, I was like, that is one of the best YouTube videos I've ever seen in my life. And this video right now only has 153,000 views. It is not doing well, actually. That's bad. His time is intimidating. And if he'd broken it out into three chunks, might have been like more. All no. of his action button reviews, I think, have been, you know, they're all that sizable and they've all been that great. I just laughed so hard at that because uh one is incredibly relatable to like i know that feeling and so do a lot of other people but it's also a sentence that if you said even five years ago people would think you were insane yeah i'm glad that you brought that up because they only had you said only has 153,000 views and now we can under we can unleash the meat buddies onto this video because you mentioned it and we can get that up to 153,002 and the thing is, so it's a review of Doom, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, I mean, I, some people like Doom, some people don't like Doom. I find Doom to be kind of like a um, generational thing with video game uh, players, in that I think I am on the cusp of people that did not play Doom or really care about Doom. But the thing about Doom is, I think if you like video games at all, uh, Doom is in there. So yeah. it's there's going to be something interesting for you with people talking about Doom, because this is... When you're talking about Doom, you're almost talking about like the the prototype 3D game. So anything 3D, uh, which is all the games now, pretty much, 
uh, owes that's something to do. You could put in a game right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's like you comparing this. One of my favorite, my favorite thing about video games on like sort of like a philosophical level is that like I love that I have growing up with this medium. Every few years, you get to see like something revolutionary and new brought to it, and it's like I imagine what it must have been like to going to see a movie in like the twenties and seeing like a zoom for the first time or like a, a special type of effect or something like that. And with games, you see that stuff all the time. And Doom would be the equivalent of going and seeing, like, one of the first earliest films. Like, it's that instrumental in terms of, like, the foundation of all video games, you know? Totally. Oh, so this is a stupid question, then. Um, why did it take him until now to get around to reviewing this game that came out a little while well, ago? Well, so he... he, he he just started this project this year. He used to work for a video game uh, blog called Kotaku and he kind of went solo this year uh, and started making these like big giant reviews. And he's only, I think he's been doing it all year and he's only done like four of them. Um, So, but, but considering that they're all like three hour, they're like feature length film length. um, They're not even feature length film length. They're like longer than that. Um, Two feature films of the ideal length yeah and, totally and alex like the one before this he did the last of us and the one after it he did pac-man so he's kind of covering a wide swath of games, yeah but also you know? he's like, time yeah yeah right. um, i know generally if i've heard of it it came out a while ago um right. hunter uh, all right what so else? Ne- next uh next one is uh best album that came out and pitchfork was like this is a 10 out of 10 album and i was like no it isn't but that was like at the beginning of quarantine and then i listened to it again later and then i realized that yes and it makes me cry um man that's uh, taylor uh, swift i'm talking about fetch the bolt cutters by fiona apple um this album uh so i'm i'm actually not even the biggest fiona apple person um, I remember I had some roommates that were really into Fiona Apple when her uh, last album came out, uh, which was, I think, in 2012. Yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, they were listening to it all the time. And I've always thought like, oh, like really great lyrics. Um, I love like the qualities of uh, her voice. Um, but this came out and there was something like so just kind of because um, it sounds like she just like recorded it at uh, some farm, I think, in Alabama. And it has a lot of like improvised like percussion in it where it just sounds like people banging on stuff um there's something there's some aspect of that that if you tell me this is the best album ever it will make me find it underwhelming um in some ways uh, because it just simple at the end of the day yeah but here's the thing if you make something classic and it's also simple that's the best things that exist i would say if you make something that just doesn't there's not a lot of frills to it um yet it's also like just such a high i mean like the writing on this album is is so there's so many things that fiona apple talks about in this album that it goes from being like funny to sad to like I'm really angry about this. Like, I mean, it's like the, the, all of the different stuff that it, that it packs into this, um, is may, you know, honestly, maybe in some ways when I first listened to it, the, the lyrics were like 
overwhelming. Like I did not want to uh, engage with with what she was talking about. Um, but in in this, I mean, if if you follow music, like this is actually this is not really like that weird of a pick. Like this is a very popular mm-hmm. album on like uh, blogs this year and stuff. Um, I'm sure it's getting a lot of random. Uh, album of the year i just want to sometimes i just like saying hey guess what the consensus is right it's very 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 good yeah Um, it's a great album i just want to confirm i also like it quite a bit yeah Uh, one more yes so uh this though this is fun because this isn't even a real this doesn't even exist best (laughs) criterion collection release that i spent (laughs) all year thinking about but I did, but did not actually get to receive because it did not actually release this year. Oh, so is, this is sort of out of Anthony's top ten slash twelve list he already gave. Sort this of, is yeah. your. So this is the world of Wong Kar Wai by Wong Kar Wai, distributed by Criterion Collection. So January, I don't know, like tenth of this year, Criterion Collection tweeted this thing. And it was a hint of all the stuff they were releasing this year. And one of them was, uh, it was a, a box with a car driving out of it. And it had the number one on the car. Um, and that was supposed to mean that they were doing a Wong Car Way box set. Okay. <laughs> work that you got that? You figured it yeah. out? Um, of course. So, so they That's announced actually that. The number of his movies I have seen. Yeah, there you go. That's wait, no, you've seen two, brother. Right. Yeah, you're right. I keep track of how many you've seen because that's how much I care. Um, so so they announced that. Um, and then actually before that, uh, maybe in the summer of last year, uh, Wong Kar Wai announced that he was doing these these 4K restorations of all of his films. And I would say, I don't know, since the summer uh, 2019, uh, I have uh, googled. The everything I just said on on the show right now, maybe every other day, and <laughs> and it was and it was something that I spent all year thinking about, being like, when that comes out, that is gonna that that is gonna change my life. I don't even know how it's gonna change my life. I already seen all these damn movies. Like it's just <laughs> well, it's yeah, just a, it's, you know, another large box on your floor. It's gonna yeah. fill that hole. You know, it's gonna be that thing that that's yes. itch you can't scratch. It's, yes, there's just something about. Um, the fact that all of those movies, because it's a restoration, it's not just like it's out on, you know, a different format or whatever. Uh, it's going to make them all feel new again to me. And I guarantee you it will, even though the differences are probably very, very, very minor. There's probably not a lot to get excited about with these, but I don't care. But I just want to say I, I have it on the list. It's my number two on the list, even though this is a number, but it would be number two. Um, and I did get to place my pre-order for oh, nice. this thing because two I was going to ask because it's like pre-order available coming out in March but then you usually wait until Thanksgiving for your half off criterion. No, 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 no. I would have paid, let me tell you something Alex I would have paid whatever they'd ask for this like if they had said it's going to be a finger I'd just Not be like well how many you need they asked for a lot they did ask for a lot, but I gave it to him. Right, finger. Um, all right. My four, three, two are non movies. Um, I definitely wanted to have a podcast in here. It was really hard to pick out. There was so, there were a bunch of things that I really enjoyed this year in my diminished podcast listening, but I've picked one episode for you, which is 99% invisible, which is a podcast that everybody is probably already listening to. Incredible show. Uh, episode three eighty nine, 
Uh, and the title of the episode is Whomst Among Us Has Let the Dogs Out. And it is a deep dive into the Baja Men classic, yeah. Who Let the Dogs Out. And it is probably the most interesting and surprising episode of a podcast I've ever listened to. The fucking twists in this episode are I mean it's it is incredible. It is it is a I mean it it's it's as surprising as Handmaiden was. Like the there's just no end to the to the twist in this story. I just I highly recommend you listen to it and even like only having a passing knowledge of the song Who Let the Dogs Out um and like I can only tell you those lyrics and the wolf's after. I don't know anything else about it. I was but gonna- now I know a Alex, who has more than a passing knowledge of who <laughs> let the dogs out by Bob? Man? I don't. Well, I, will, I will say uh, the answer is uh, Chris Barub, Barub, who produced this episode. He knows a lot. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, but anyway, my point. Even if you didn't like the song at the time, I like it is so interesting and like the song at the time, Alex. What is happening? Children, Children like the song. It was hugely popular. It was a, yeah, it's a huge one-hit wonder. Anyway, it was it turns like out Baby the, Shark, but for a different generation. Exactly, exactly. But it turns out it has a long and storied history. Um, so you should definitely look into that. So 99% Invisible, whomst among us has let the dogs out. Um, probably of the books I've read this year, um, the one that I've decided to select is one that you guys are familiar with, which is The, Wither, the Wizard of Earthsea. Uh, was my favorite book this year, I think. I Part of the problem is that I... Ha- I One of the things that people who read a lot of books tell you is that if you hate a book, just stop. Don't finish it. You don't owe it to anybody. And I cannot convince myself of that. So if I start reading a book, I don't touch anything else until I've made myself get through it. <laughs> so basically, from February to November, I was reading this book about the history of the atomic bomb that was way too fucking long. And it was interesting but it was like it it captured a huge percentage of my reading time, and so I don't have as many fun reads from this year. But it's still, Wizard of Earthsea was such a delight, and um, especially now that I'm I'm currently rereading Harry Potter in Espanol um, for learning purposes, and so I'm like really reading every sentence of Harry Potter, and it's actually kind of making me enjoy Earthsea even more, and like some of the simplicity of the story that Harry Potter is lacking, and also just some of the ideas about magic I think are way better, but also just such an interesting book. So. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's Wizard of Earthsea on my list. And then um, my number two thing is uh, a TV show, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. Yeah. I So you've watched this. Anthony, did you watch it too? I've seen, I think, the first season, but I don't think anything past that. I would also watch the second season if I were you. I just I just absolutely adore it. I And I, it took me, the first couple episodes, I was a little suspicious because it was not the movie and I liked the movie so much. And it's like, it's starring kind of lookalike actors to the movie, but different characters. So it's a little bit off-putting, but man, it's funny and so well-written and like so surprising where it goes and charming. It's like all of the things I wanted to have in a TV show. And I, I don't think movies should become TV shows. I feel like movies should stay in their own lanes. Anyway, I really liked what we do in the shadows, the TV show and that, that was a new, that's, a, that's your thing. So, yeah, I, I love that show. I just want to say that I have been waiting for Matt Berry to break mm. out in America for so long and i'm so glad that finally i mean i guess what we do in the shadow is not is not like the biggest tv show but it's 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 pretty big and i feel like, I, yeah, like I what do you know him from before this 
Oh, he's on so many things. He was on this show. I'll t- I'll just tell you one thing he was on. That's a really big deal. I really like this show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, yeah. which is like, mm-hmm. God, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a bad, uh, it's like a show about um, a guy that is like Stephen King, but if he was like an idiot, basically. And yes. like the show is like an adaptation of his books that are all about this hospital and it's kind of i don't know i don't know how to describe the show, i but guarantee it's you alex you have seen memes uh from oh. that show and just didn't know what it was yeah for sure it's- so i barry is Barry's great and he also has the best episode of the second season is like uh whatever a bottle episode of him where he just runs away and starts a new life and then comes back at the end and it's just an episode of him leading a different life in another city briefly. And it's just the most incredible thing from this season. I loved it so much. So highly recommend uh, that. All right, Anthony, 432. All right. So this section here is things that actually came out this year that I enjoyed, which, you know, there wasn't a lot to choose from. And I definitely saw stuff that was better than these things. Um, But these are the ones that kind of like, were like bomb for the soul or just pit me in like a good place. And one of them's kind of cheating. Uh, but what the first one is Bill and Ted face the music, yeah. uh, just a delightful film. Uh, mm-hmm. Loved everyone, loved the entire cast. It came out, you know, uh, when certain like, you know, it was a rough time, like every month and every week was in this year. And it is just this movie. I talked about it on the podcast after I saw it, but the, the, so yeah, this, and we did a little bonus episode about it without you, um, but it was a really good time, that yeah. movie, and Keanu Vember, and also uh, my time travel adventure that I'm working on. Um, yeah. So, and just yeah, that, to make a piece of art that is like completely non-cynical and with no guile, something that is just completely earnest in 2020 is not something you see a lot. And a second to a franchise that does exactly the same story as the first two, but in a new and interesting and, and delightful way, just like the second one did to the first one, where they like took a very similar structure and then was completely surprising and different. Yeah, I thought it was great, and I was glad it seemed to do well on you know streaming services and didn't get completely buried. Yeah, um, yeah, it seems like it did well, and it was it was also like a non cynical sequel where it was like the creators and the actors became good friends and lobbied for ten years to make a sequel because uh, even though they would had two successful movies, they were told that they were too niche for a third one, and so to have it like actually come to fruition because of that shows in the movie that it's these people wanted to make this movie because they like it not because someone thought hey here's 10 more dollars yeah keanu reeves had to have his third major comeback uh, <laughs> for them finally to take a risk on bill and ted 3 the one thing because we watched all three of the bill and ted's within the month of keanu vember i had yeah. never seen them I had seen the second one, but not the first one. And I did not like the second one when I watched it without having seen the first one. Um, But then I loved all three of them this time. But the time jump, because we watched them in a row, was very jarring for my wife, who believes Keanu Reeves is too old. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we found him to be a little too old in that movie. And I think if there was a way to make him look a little younger, maybe his haircut was the problem. But she found him off-putting. But I I still thought it was great. Yeah, I... I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, my next movie that came out this year, probably my favorite pound for pound movie, talked about it uh, the last week, uh, Mank. Uh, maybe I'm a little too close to it still, uh, but that movie. Hear, 
made talking quite- about it looks so good but apparently the story is not like this is like a debunked myth that they made the story about i mean I, that doesn't really bother. sure no like, I, that's I, not the thing I, I didn't know the story yeah. about it but i mean also it is it's like they the they're like there are facts there in terms of like he knew the host enough or like you're talking about like his relationship with Orson Welles. I'm not sure what uh, you're talking about there, but for me, I thought it was a movie that seems incredibly well directed. Like I said last week, still, I think not, not my favorite Fincher film. My wife and I uh, just rewatched Gone Girl last night, actually. And that one holds up really well. That's probably that. And, Zodiac, probably my still two favorite by him. Um, but yeah, I liked Mank quite a bit. I would suggest checking it out. Uh, then finally, in terms of this block, is kind of cheating in terms of came out this year. But I got to talk about Doctor Who. Um, uh-huh. I'm someone who's always not, always kind of like, just been like, it, Doctor Who's not for me. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife has always been a big fan. I've always been like, you know, I respect I respect, like, the work in it. I kind of like its place and culture. I just have never been able to get into it. But due to having a lot of time in quarantine, um, I needed something fun to watch that kind of tapped into that Bill and Ted itch, right? Something that was, like, not cynical and hopeful and was very easy to kind of, like, like doom scroll on Twitter while looking up right. and seeing, like, this hero not use guns and not use violence and like, you know, get stuff done and like just do the positive nature of good people, you know, like the show sort of was very fun and it really helped like lighten the mood around my house when things would get dark over the past few months. And, you know, we went through all 12 seasons and I, even though I definitely think the most recent run is some of the weaker stuff, I think the show has been on a, downward slope for a while and i think the ending of this season in particular is one of the worst things i think they could have possibly have ever done with the show uh i think the season is pretty good i do think the last episode uh i don't know how much you know about it hunter but like what they do is they they completely change the the dynamic of the world and the character in a really fundamental way uh, that I, you see a lot in stories eventually, but I hate it. I think it really, like, actively kind of ruins all the mythology in the I show. I love this because, Anthony, I just want to say, you sound <laughs> like a real Doctor Who fan right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is what it is to be a Doctor Who fan, is to be like, yeah. I love the show, but man, oh, I'm so concerned. They're really fucking it up right now. I'm not, I'm not happy. <laughs> For you to have gotten all the way there in a short time, it just feels like you, you, you like you've really, be- you, you've been here for years. You've made yourself seem like you've always been around in this well, world. Well, you know, my wife has o- has always been a big fan of it, early since it started the the new series started, and like. So she's had these opinions building up for ten plus years. So like mm-hmm. being able to talk about them with her has been fun. Uh, but right. yeah, even that I was never really bothered by too much, just particularly what they did in this last season is a real head scratcher. Uh, but still it was my perfect quarantine show. So. I love it. All right. So we're down to our final episode, our final item, the number one on the list, not necessarily in order. And we have, we are on a time crunch to finish this episode because oh, I yeah. have to do a thing. So let's don't rush your idea but like we might we're just let's pick it up a tiny bit uh hunter 
what yes. is the last thing on your list? So best glue of my life slash something that felt like it was my baby coming out of my womb into the world. But it wasn't really my baby. It was almost like a friend's baby. But a friend's baby that was very important to me um, would have to be, for sure, the expansion to Twilight Imperium, which is called Prophecy <laughs> of Kings. Uh, and it was by Fantasy Flight Games, or in particular, my friend Dane. Um, so what I like about the setup of this is like, listeners at home might have thought for a second you were talking about this show. And then people who knew you might have thought you were talking about literally your friend's baby. No. It's meant so much to you, and it was not. It was a board game. It was neither of those things. No, it's a board game. That's what completes my life. Um, so, yeah. So, so everything happened this year, and and it was uh, it was weird, and 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 in many ways bad. Um, but luckily, I have a lot invested in a board game that takes a lot a lot to play. Now, here's the thing: um, the there was an expansion that released. Uh, what? Like, I think it came out like three or four weeks ago. Um, I have, I had been under NDA for, I don't even think I can say how long I was, but for an amount of time, um, and was not able to talk about it while at the same time having to play the regular version of the game. And if I, it, and I'm, I'm not going to bore you with any of the real details, just know it's a, a board game for freaks and it's <laughs> too much stuff in the damn box. But let's say you're somebody and your whole life is this board game. But now you have two versions in your head, right? You got the regular one, and that's got too much stuff in it. And then you have the one that that you're under NDA about. And if you talk about it at all, you'll get in trouble with the publisher who already, you know, you feel like maybe isn't that nice to you anyways. Um, <laughs> that's hard. And that ended for me this year. Um, and, and, and the expansion actually came out, and people are getting to play it. And to be honest... Uh, whenever I first got to see uh, some of the expansion, uh, which, oh, I can't date when that happened, but a time before now, um, I remember being scared that it wouldn't be good. And oh, yeah. all of my livelihood is built on a board game. I'm a stupid person. I'm realizing <laughs> uh, my, I have a stupid existence. Um, Milton Bradley, because you yes. rely on board games. Yes, but uh, I was very nervous that it would be bad because when I first heard about it, I was like, that sounds bad, actually, and I don't know who to talk to about it. Well, I can't talk to anybody about it. Um, but then, uh, actually, it got really good, and it is very good, and it is released out in the world, and I am so happy. Um, however, I, I do wish that I wish I had gotten to see other people and play with other people in real life. Uh, that is my only regret, though. Beyond that, um, it was uh, kind of a crazy... It was like... It's weird that 2020 was such a bad year because for me, it was actually a, a huge year, um, but also very bad. So I don't know. I guess that's that's my complicated answer for the best thing for this year. Um, my number one thing, my number one weepies is... Uh, basically, the setup is exactly what Anthony said when he was describing Ted, uh, Bill and Ted. This is the other Ted. This is Ted Lasso. So oh. this is the thing that felt like the perfect thing for this year. That was the most 2020 thing for me. The most pure joy, non-cynical, doing like every piece of everything right. I is it's incredibly funny and surprising and like 
occasionally a little like the right amount of dirty and it's just it was all the things i wanted and i did not expect to be able to have it all and also it was about soccer so what a delight um and friendship and just went in directions i was not expecting and just just an incredible piece of work is my favorite thing that i watched all year was bill and it was was ted lasso and i hate that we talked about bill and ted and time because now my brain can't separate them although i would watch a time traveling soccer movie bill and ted lasso's adventure yeah i watched um, the show after my wife and i watched the show in one sitting after your recommendation and we both liked it quite a bit as well yeah um it's yeah, so very good. fucking lovely i actually, actually i saw um i went to this uh like writing festival and uh bill lawrence gave a talk and somebody had asked him a question about like how did you manage with with the show to just how do you how do you find the perfect balance between heart and comedy and he's like well I just missed other times and you're only talking about this one because it worked. And I thought that was also very important for writing, which is like, you don't find the perfect balance. You find a few different balances and the one that where you nail it is the one people will watch and ask you to keep making more of it. So that is my number one, uh, Ted Lasso highly recommend. And a bonus number one that I'm going to add because I thought this is what Hunter was talking about. And he wasn't, which is that my other number one thing of the year was, um, uh, learning about film from the two of you. So you have done, I, I got so much out of this year. I feel like I still feel dumb, but I felt like I learned a lot, but also just like it changed a lot of the tone of my, like of hanging out over the year, like that we would go watch a good movie. So my wife was like excited to watch whatever movie we we're talking about, which is different from my homework normally being bad. But like, and I, but I just got so much other kinds of education about it. I feel like I'd be a better conversationalist, even though I blew it on our finals last week about how I would converse about movies. But mostly I just, I found, uh, that I liked this genre of a lot of genres of movies that I didn't realize I would like. And more importantly, I, I got a lot of t- out of talking about it with you too. So that's my bonus. Other number one, Aww. Anthony, if our list, what is your number one weepy? Uh, so my number one movie of the year is a fourth choice, uh, a fourth item out of the category of thing we watched uh, for the podcast. Uh, and this, you know, I'm, I think Hunter's going to be happy about this, but my number one movie of the year uh, is In the Mood for Love. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, man. I uh, was so, I watched, you know, I had always heard the movie was very good. I went in re- literally knowing nothing about it. Um, and I just found it to be a hypnotic experience, sort of washed over me. Uh, stunning visuals, great performances. Uh really made an impact on me as a movie I thought about a lot. And like I said, we I had had the uh, you know privilege of seeing a lot of the stuff we had done before and getting introduced to a whole filmmaker who had a whole filmography I've never dove into. It's like, you know, it's like Christmas come come early. You know, it's like a, a treat that there's a whole world I can dive into here. Yeah. Um but yeah I, I really love, love that movie. Uh thank you Hunter yeah. for bringing it up on the podcast. Uh, and it was a great conversation about it. And I, uh, yeah, I just liked it a lot. Um, I am still working on my project of watching both of your favorite movies. And I, I will just mention, uh, since it's been a little while since I talked about that, that, uh, I'm still working on it. And specifically, uh, Megan and I, uh, tried three times in the last two weeks to watch, uh, uh, Pierrot Lafou. Um, oh yeah, yeah. 
we had technical problems, three different technical problems watching it, but we're getting close. We're actually going to see it soon, I think, uh, but we keep trying. So I am going to continue on with that project. And Anthony, at some point you have it to turn in your three favorite movies so I can watch them. Um, okay. Last before we go, a um, uh, couple of things super fast. So first uh, we have a, uh, uh, from our Patreons, from our meat buddies, our Metreons, um, the infrequently asked questions segment. I have a very short one for you that came in a little while ago from meat buddy Nora, and I'm curious to hear your opinion on. So remember, you can ask us questions um, and get your own segments by becoming a meat buddy. And then you can ask us infrequently asked questions. Specifically, Nora asks, the laughter of children, heartwarming or bone chilling? Depends Ooh. on the context. If I mean, it's public, public yeah. the is, on a nice day, a supposedly uh, empty manor at night. Yeah, um, yeah. Very different. The main thing I think it's different is, do you have children? Because if you don't, and then you just hear it, it can be yeah. very off-putting. But if there's a kid in the house, it's generally pretty heartwarming. Although there is also a kind of child's laugh that is like, Oh, what did you just do that you're not supposed to do? Like, do we still have a pet turtle? Like, there's that kind of laugh. Mm-hmm. Bone chilling for me as well. But that's actually what I love about that is like, okay, so so here actually here's a, a bonus question that I'm that, that occurs to me. Do you have anything else that could so easily swing from one of those to the other that the sound effect in those different contexts can be heartwarming or bone chilling? I mean, like, you know, a pant zipper can be pretty. Uh, different <laughs> depending on the context. Oh my god, uh, yeah, that is so contextual. Holy yeah. cow. That's perfect. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much, Nora, and thanks everybody who uh, has become a, a meat buddy and who's sent in infrequently asked questions. We'll get to uh, a couple more later and we'll have more of that in the upcoming season. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with us for season three of the podcast. We are going to have a brief bonus episode next week, an Ezra credit, a holiday episode next week where we're going to talk about the claymation Christmas. Um, that is going to be, uh, is that even what it's called? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like um, the... It's got the, here we come a waffling. Uh, it's, it's called a claymation Christmas celebration. It's got the California raisins in it. Oh, yeah, my, my wife and her family watches that every year. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. The, uh, it's from Will Vinton studios, which is a fascinating company to think about because it's a studio that became the studio that put out Coraline. It became Leica. And what happened was, uh, the guy who owns Nike, his kid wanted to be stop, in stop motion animation. So they bought, so his dad, bought Will Vinton Studios and fired Will Vinton and put his son in charge which is the most fucked up and terrible thing I could imagine except that almost everything they've made has been great so I can't stay mad at them anyway but this is from old Will Vinton and uh, is his yeah a bunch of weird clay holiday stuff so we're gonna talk about that briefly next week but then we'll take a few weeks off for the holidays and then Hunter and Anthony and I will return in January for season four of the show made a little brief mention this last week it's gonna have it's gonna we're gonna we're gonna the main thing i'll say is we are expanding the viewport of the podcast a little bit we'll still talk about media but we're going to expand a little bit what we discuss and what things hunter and anthony tell me i'm wrong about if you want to help guide the season four structure send us an email podcast at read-week.com tell me what you like or hate about the show and i will try to get you more or less of those two things depending on which one they are um but we really look forward to spending some more time with you in the new year and especially i appreciate all of the meat buddies who have made this year possible thank you so much for talking to me anthony yep this is a lot of fun 
Have a great holidays. Enjoy your time off. Hunter, thank you so much for hanging out. Yeah, thank you, Alex. I love the show. Love being oh, on it. Like a little baby in someone else's womb. Um, yeah. We will talk to all of you soon. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.